Hey y'all, welcome to Couture Conversations Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Steele. Welcome back to another episode of Couture Conversations Podcast. Y'all, today I am so pumped because I am here with the founder of Kira Moon. Her name is Lindsay, and her mission and why she started her business is one of my favorites in the beauty industry, period. Because who likes to look at their beauty products and then be so drab and boring She has created these products with joy in mind and wants to empower and give confidence to whomever is using this incredible skincare line. And I can speak from experience. If you were to see a picture of her, her skin is absolutely glowing. But I want to introduce Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so great. So I always like to give a little introduction on how we met. And Lindsay and I met in Austin, Texas. And we met at a female founder collective group meeting. And Lindsay was in a certain part of journey in a, in a segment of journey in her, in her company. And I thought that after learning about her business, she just had to come on this podcast because Her story is something that's going to inspire any of you that are listening that are wanting to start your own company, honestly. So a few things just to get us started. Lindsay, tell us a little bit about starting a company is, girl, it's intimidating. We talk about that all the time. (laughs) Yes. And, And as you were making that decision to leave your corporate job, what was your main driver when you were starting your company? Yeah, there are so many. It's hard to pinpoint one, but I'm happy to share a few. I think mm-hmm. I think a lot of entrepreneurs can resonate with this. I always just had that feeling I was going to start a business. And for anyone listening, you don't have to have that feeling, but that's just something I always felt inside of me. I think when I was younger, I wanted to have a you know boutique uh, or a store. And as my career developed, that became a bigger dream of having a larger business with a large number of customers. But the dream is part of it. And then I think there's also, for me, what was very important is the alternative to that dream. It wasn't just, oh, it would be so great if I started a business. It was, what would my life look like if I didn't? And so I was pondering all these things during my days in working in corporate software companies. And For me, I really felt I had the drive and the dream and the passion to start my own business. And the alternative of not doing that just felt so scary and really misaligned with who I am and what I wanted out of my life. So that's kind of like the deep emotional side. I think on just a more macro level, I love problem solving. I love figuring things out. And For those of you listening that haven't started a business yet, that's the whole job is figuring things out and problem solving. And so I was really attracted to that side of starting a business. I enjoy leading people, something I got to experience in my career. And I think those two things were a big part of it. And I think also just a sense of pride. I'm a very ambitious person. And the thought of creating a business and watching it succeed 
that was really attractive to me. So yeah, those are some of the more macro reasons, but you can kind of answer that question many ways. I'm sure you can understand. There's so many thoughts and feelings that go into deciding to start a business. Oh my gosh. Yes. There are an enormous, numerous, numerous, countless reasons. I think it's so fascinating that every single founder that I've ever spoken to has their reason why they started what they started. Because as you know, when we're in the weeds, in the thick of it, literally with our... (laughs) pouring down rain and literally everything is just not going the way we're going. We want at least the way we want it to go. We have to keep reminding ourselves of that. Why? So I ask every single founder this and I'm excited because I know your why, but I would love (laughs) everyone to learn what your why is because I think it really starts to share the story of Kira Moon and the beautiful, vibrant colors you use and the entire embodiment of your product. So what is your why? Oh, thank you. So the idea for Kira Moon came during really challenging time in my life, probably the hardest time in my life I've ever gone through. My mom had lost a 10 plus year battle with cancer. So she had just passed away. I'd never lost someone close to me, let alone a parent. And so I was struggling to understand grief. I was still trying to succeed in my career in software sales. And I just felt really overwhelmed by life. Looking back, I was anxious and depressed. I didn't know what those feelings were at the time, but it was just a really hard chapter. And during that time, I was working crazy hours. I would come home at the end of the day and have time to basically eat and go to bed. And so the five minutes I took to do my nighttime skincare routine, brush my teeth, et cetera, became such a cherished and special part of my day. I think a lot of people can relate to that, whether you're sick yourself, caring for someone sick, maybe you're working two jobs or you're a single mom, or maybe you have a side hustle and you're working crazy hours. I think that idea of not having enough time, a lot of people can relate to that. And for me, those moments with my skincare, they were just for me. And I got to escape. I got to look at my little shelf of potions and kind of escape the reality of my life, which was scary at the time. And when I looked at the products I was using that were great formulas, I I just looked at the, the packaging and the brand voice and the feeling they gave me. And it didn't match that magical feeling that I had when I was doing my skincare routine. The products felt a little more clinical and serious. And I thought, why isn't there a brand that's helping me enhance this moment I have. You know, we do our skincare twice a day for five minutes. Why can't it be more of an act of self-care and self-love and go and go so much more beyond the performance of the skin care improving the health of our skin? And I spent a lot of time looking at what was out there in the market and really felt there was a gap. There was a hole in the market. And I just knew I wasn't alone in the way that I was using my skincare products. And I thought I feel so passionate about this and I I'm the person that can bring this product solution to the world and help other people enhance their skincare and self-care routines and inspire moments of self-joy through beauty rituals. So that is still our why and that's why we do what we do and my dream is to help our customers curate those 5 minutes of magic in what can be a scary and chaotic world. I absolutely love that for me. And I think every woman and man that does skincare, their skincare routines in the morning and especially in the evening, it's a time of decompressing. 
And it's also a time of like getting yourself together. So in the morning, that joy, that excitement for the day really begins with everything that you do first thing in the morning. And it involves what you're looking at too. I can really, most of my skincare products are certainly, they feel very clinical. Those are the perfect yes. And it feels, you know, you're using all these beautiful products, but they don't give you the same feeling. And there's a lot that goes into at least for myself and I know several other fellow founders, there is a lot of limitation on what we say to ourselves in the morning if it's not positive. So starting our days off in a positive way is kind of the key essence of (laughs) following through to have a successful day because there's no one there telling you, hey, you have to be online at this specific time. Mm -hmm. This has to be done right now, right here. Now we all have due dates and whatnot, but it's the self-motivation and the piece of it where we have to find joy in the beginning of our day in some capacity. And it's so cool that that's what your company is, is bringing. And I also just want to highlight, like, obviously if you guys check out Kira Moon on her website, It is a beautiful color scheme, but also too, (laughs) while we're thinking about beautiful brands and packaging, it's actually the ingredients that you use that I love. So, you know, it's not talked about enough, in my opinion, are like the benefits of aloe and how it helps your skin. I saw a post you did a while back and I saved it because... Aloe is one of the oldest, most beautiful things you can do for your skin. And I would love to learn a little bit about how you kind of curated some of your ingredients and decided to go with, especially for your face wash, the Silky Rinse. I love the name. <laughs> very, It's so interesting. The very first ingredient what is, is aloe. And mm-hmm. I don't know of one other <laughs> facial wash that has the first ingredient being aloe. So walk us through this and kind of what inspired that. Yeah. So if if we back it up even before my idea for Cure Moon came, I was a skincare junkie. And I think like most modern beauty consumers were much more educated than our moms or our grandmothers were in terms of products and ingredients. And we look at the ingredient list, we know which ingredients we're looking for. And so I really fell in love with analyzing products based on their ingredients. So before the idea for Cure Moon came, I already had that kind of foundational love for the quality and the idea of creating a formula that really works. And so I knew when creating Cure Moon, it had to have incredible formulas. I think at this point, that's kind of table stakes, right? Like for beauty brands. But the reason that I chose Aloe is one of the things that I think so fascinating as people learn to un- learn how to analyze ingredient list is that the ingredients are listed in the order of the the largest proportion to the least. So the first ingredient, there's the most of that in the formula. And I found that so interesting because I would look down beauty aisles and the marketed ingredient would be glycolic acid or hyaluronic and it's near the bottom of the ingredient list. And so it was really important to me that our consumer could look at our ingredient list with confidence. And the first few things they read are active ingredients or ingredients that they know are nourishing and good for their skin. And aloe is just, it was a no brainer. Aloe has so many incredible 
properties. It's not only hydrating, nourishing, moisturizing. It has skin healing properties. It can heal wounds to a certain extent. And so thinking about a product like that, that's so proven and research-driven, I that was really important to me. And that's really the philosophy we use for our formulation and ingredients. We like to stick with very well-researched ingredients, kind of these staples. There are some brands out there that are really leading the way in terms of proprietary blends and really pushing in, in terms of the science. And we're not doing that. We were never going to do that. We just have ingredients that are tried and true, clinically proven, and we package them in a way that's more fun and joyful. I love that. And it's it's even more so, I think, becoming more and more educated in the safety around skincare because your skin on your face is so porous and so sensitive. And so it's very different from the rest of your body and it absorbs so much because it's so sensitive. So I think Mm -hmm. what you're putting on your face and the feeling that it gives you first thing in the morning and in the evening is essential to not just your aesthetic beauty, but your internal beauty too, which comes from Mm -hmm. a healthy mindset. And I also love aloe too, from a personal standpoint, it's cooling. It has like a cooling Mm -hmm. to it, which also helps with inflammation. And oh my gosh, when I am stressed out, we are going to rings are tight and, (laughs) and you know, the inflammation piece of it is, is such a massive thing. And I actually learned from one of your postings that you did about aloe masks or aloe ice rubs. So, so if you are a wealth of knowledge with skincare and using, you know, nature's, nature's beautiful gifts to us to kind of develop what you've created. So whenever I'm talking to a fellow female founder, I love to pick your brain about what your vision is and moving into this new year that we're in 2023 adding it up equals seven, which is a super lucky number in any any either woo-woo or religious um, standpoint. So when you're looking at your brand and you're looking at the impact that you're looking to make this year, walk us through what is your vision for, for 2023? Yes. I'm so glad you asked this because I feel like this is a huge transitional year for me. Maybe you can relate to that in some ways, but We actually just yesterday celebrated our second birthday, which felt wild. So it was two years as a business, two years as a founder, and so much reflecting. But when I think about the first two years, I think I approached entrepreneurship cautiously. I was cautiously optimistic. I definitely put in everything that I had, but there are things I wanted to establish in the first two years which included product market fit. Do people really want this? I wanted to establish supply chain and operations. So if I got some huge PO from Sephora or Ulta, I felt confident that I could enter that partnership. And I think a lot of that was really, really smart. And I think if I'm being honest, I think some of that was not holding myself back, but feeling afraid or I don't know. There's just there's so much imposter syndrome and feelings of, am I ready for this? And I spent the first two years, better understanding our customers, perfecting our products and our supply chain so that we're ready for chapter two, which in my mind began on January 1st. And the two big goals I have for this year are fundraising, which we can talk a little bit more about if we want your like my spirit guide (laughs) for fundraising. (laughs) And also a big retail partnership with 
with beauty brands, being omni-channel is important, but really, really what's most important is having these large retail partnerships with one of the greats, which are Sephora, Ulta, Target, Walmart, etc. And so I've been doing some outreach and have some meetings set up with different buyers. So I think at 2023 ends and I've checked off both of those things, it'll be a huge win. So that's what I have on my mood board. That's what I have. I'm manifesting in my mind. Those are the two big goals for 2023. It all starts with what we have in our minds. And I'm a big, big believer in manifesting everything you want, writing it down, thinking about it, saying it over and over to yourself. When I was in my first year of building my company, Conversation Couture, I wrote on my whiteboard at the very, very top, very... I think (laughs) advantageously of me and not looking (laughs) back at it, but I said, you will achieve it all. You will have it all. Wow. And I literally looked at that whiteboard, the top of that whiteboard every single day. And I just taught my mind to believe that I would have it all, that I will get it all. It's that mentality. Now, I don't have it all, nor am I ever (laughs) going to have it all. But it's that mentality of not is believing in yourself to saying, I'm capable of achieving it all. And it's reading that over and over again and saying it to yourself where you're like, I'm going to become into, I'm going to get into Sephora. I'm going to get into Walmart. I'm going to get into Target. It's a different shift in your mind. So when the opportunities are presented to you, you're not more or less surprised. You're like, you're ready to take it on. So I think that that's like a really big piece of what you just said is when you are manifesting what you truly want, it's not that you're just throwing these words into the universe and the universe will deliver. That's not how it works. (laughs) You have to put in (laughs) the work and the effort behind it. But when you say to yourself, you're teaching your brain to believe that you are going to, and you are capable of achieving this. Cause like you said, imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh. Like we get on mm. a series yeah. alone, but <laughs> imposter syndrome is so real. Like I even get it still. I mean, I'm still in the beginning stages of my company too. I say any company that's under five years, we're still in the beginning stages of our companies. And until we're around for five years, then we're like, okay, we're a little bit more established. We've been around the block a couple of times, but I'm still building my company too. And getting it to a point to where I'm where I want it to be. And I don't know if I'll ever be done building that, (laughs) but, but it's meeting those little and big goals. So the big goals are amazing to focus on. And I love that you only have two. And I want to tap into that because A lot of founders, and I'm sure you can relate, and I would love to hear your opinion on this too, is when we first get started, our to-do lists and our goal lists are through the roof. And it can become extremely overwhelming. It can become daunting. And it can become thinking to ourselves, I'm failing at everything. (laughs) And you're forgetting that these small little wins are contributing to the benefit of your company. So I remember probably about a year and a half ago, I switched my mindset to, these are all the things that I want to accomplish to, all right, what's my vision? What am I building here? And 
it's that mindset. It's that mindset shift from being an employee to moving to a CEO, growing a company, and switching over to that building mentality of instead of all these things I have to do to how is this contributing to my main goal of building the house of retail education of getting into Sephora and getting into Walmart and getting into these amazing large distributors. What am I doing? What am I working on that's getting me there? And did that ever happen to you? And I would love for you to kind of walk people through it quickly. I'm like, having so much on your to-do list, feeling overwhelmed to, you know, this is my vision in chapter two. And what was that mind shift like for you? Yeah, I think you raise a really good point. When I look at the way I set goals and think about what I want to achieve in my business today, it's very different than how I felt setting goals before I had started it. I think before you start a business, it can feel insane. It can feel impossible. And What worked for me in the early days was instead of focusing on long-term big picture, I'm starting a business and I have to do all these things. It was, what do I need to get done today? And then each of those days added up and you look back and you're like, wow, you know, and an example of that would be maybe if you're very early on, I'm just going to incorporate my business. I'm going to buy that domain name that I've been eyeing. I'm going to start our social media account. And taking little baby bites into a big project over time was really helpful for me. I think now, because I have such a clear vision for where I want to take Moon, where I want us to be in five and 10 years, I really reverse engineer it. And everything I do should be supporting those big bucket goals. So even when I say fundraising and retail partnership, that's not the end goal. That is one step on the ladder or to get to what I want to eventually do, which is continue fundraising, grow quickly, and then have an exit. So I just make sure that are the activities I'm choosing today supporting the goals that I've outlined for myself? I love that, truly. And fundraising, here's an interesting like, tidbit, because I know you and I have talked a lot about fundraising and investors and the differences between angel investments, venture capitalists, and, and all this in this world of finance that creatives like myself, and, and I know when you were starting down this journey too, we're somewhat aware of what <laughs> that world was and what that world mm-hmm. is and, and educating ourselves in that. But I want anyone who's listening to this thinking like, okay, I literally just bought my domain yesterday. What is this information about investors and, and whatnot? The biggest thing, and I think I shared this with you too, Lindsay, is when you're thinking about getting an investor, when you're thinking about anything growing your brand, don't be so quick to bring on an investor before you already know what your vision is. Because once other people become involved, your idea has the potential of becoming diluted. So whomever you're bringing on, don't do it out of knee-jerk necessity. Do it in a strategic way. And I feel like I can have a whole other episode on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But the biggest thing that I just wanted to share is that investing never stops. So while you might get your first round, your seed round, or your series A, you're always going to want to have a pool of investors aware of the strides you're making in your business. So if you do want to continue to grow, you're keeping in contact with people who know people to continue 
funding your funding your dream and your vision to eventually roll it off, sell it, and continue on and building your next dream. And I think that's the piece that's the hardest for us as founders is like, okay, but when is the right time to do this? So what would you say uh, from your experience in chapter two to some aspiring female founders to kind of help them get over that fear of not being sure about everything and just taking the leap? Oh man, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think perspective is so important. And so this is the advice that I would give because this is what helped me. So I think the fear of starting a business, what that looks like is how, what potentially could happen if I do this? I could embarrass myself. I could lose a lot of money, you know, my money, my family and friends' money. If you raise family and friends, I could give up on maybe what's been a really stable and maybe even exciting career. Like these are all the scary things that could happen if I do this. But I would challenge you to ask yourself, what happens if I don't do this? What what does your life look like? I think if you really feel called to be a business owner, you have to answer that calling or you're not going to be fulfilled in life, period. And on top of that, you can't be afraid of, of, of a failure because again, that's part of the job description. So being a founder is just as scary after you take the leap and and start your your company. It's going to be scary no matter what, so you might as well just do it and just your your desire to to be an entrepreneur has to be greater than than your fear of being an entrepreneur. So think about how scary it would be to be stuck at your 9 to 5 or whatever it else it is that you're doing and that really pushed me the thought of being in software sales forever just mm. scared the heck out of me and really got me moving. So it is interesting because so many founders are like, I just could not imagine ever having to not pursue what I, Mm -hmm. what was in my brain. And it almost becomes this like driving factor where it's, I would much rather fall flat on my face, the risk of that happening than not at least trying to do something, Mm -hmm. to build something that's bigger than what I've done ever in my life. And The biggest thing for founders is just starting, but I always challenge that because I think the hardest thing when you're starting a company is actually pushing through all of the things that go wrong when you are actually in the weeds of it. Sure, you can buy the domain. That's a really big step. You can start your business get a business loan, friends and family investments to get your dream started. But when things start to go wrong, when things start to not work out the way you intended, when you may have invested something in someone like an employee or or a marketing campaign or something that doesn't pan out the way you think it will, or taking a really big risk on something, It's when those things don't pan out the way that you envisioned it to is to not give up and giving up too quickly and without more perseverance, because that's going to be the difference between your company making it one year to two years to three years to 10 years, right? So it's always like pushing for me, it's always pushing past the inevitable gut-wrenching financially struggling times to 
really appreciating what what we're building and what you're building is really beautiful and I cannot even wait to to see your products as I'm doing my doing my necessary shopping and, and all of these beautiful stores. Mm. So I'll leave you with one question because I love I love this because being in the beauty industry yourself, there are so many areas and room for improvement in a lot of ways in your industry. But from your perspective, what are any of those gaps and or issues that you kind of see in your market that you're excited that your brand is not contributing to maybe? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Beauty is so saturated. And so it's really important as a beauty brand founder that I have my pulse on every angle of the industry. And because we're so saturated, I don't really know what's missing. I think if you had asked five years ago, it would have been inclusivity, which is still a work in progress. Improvements have been made, but we're not where we need to be in terms of representation. I think something that's interesting to me right now, which is more... It is a, it's an opportunity is a transition that we're seeing in terms of beauty commerce. I think again, five years ago, of course, there you'd discover brands on social media and Instagram, and then you'd go to Sephora and buy it. And that's kind of transition. I think especially with TikTok, we're seeing a totally different avenue for smaller brands to spread awareness. And it's interesting the toll that it's taken on big retailers as well. I think in addition to a transition in how people are discovering new brands is the way that people are shopping. And we see this happening in China. And live selling is really huge. I think when I, I checked, I did a webinar on live selling a, a couple of months ago. And I think 25% of all online shopping sales in China last year were through live selling. And we're seeing all types of apps pop up that are specific to beauty that are helping facilitate this. And so we are early adopters of that. So I'm not sure if that fully answers your question, but beauty is so saturated. It's hard to say really what's missing. I think it's more having your finger on the pulse of what is happening and shifting. And I do think we're in a transition. We're seeing a shift of customer behavior, a shift of how brands are discovered. And I find all of that really exciting. It is super exciting. And and honestly, it, it describes exactly what my company does, so yeah. I, um, which is really great. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> it's, I always talk to company owners or fellow entrepreneurs about it. And I call it the magic trifecta, where you're really thinking about your company's ecosystem online, where there are these three key factors and these three key players that go into a company's ecosystem online now. Because to your point, what the customer is demanding and also the fact that China is so ahead of what we are now just tapping into on our side of the world. And that is driving necessary traffic to your website, number one, that's never going away. Number two is selecting the technology on your website that will facilitate the virtual interactions that you want to have your customers and clients experience with you. There is There are so many options. And we have some really cool partnerships with technology companies now that depending upon what the vision is for the entrepreneur or the business owner, there is technology that can facilitate that. And then the third piece is where my company comes in is the, the training aspect of it. Because you can have traffic to your website, you can have technology to your website, 
But how are you maximizing that? Are you engaging your customers when they come to your website? How are you engaging them? How are you driving the sale by educating them on what your products do? What complements things nicely together? Like, for example, your amazing facial wash is really great with those beautiful moon globes. And (laughs) it's like the, you know, after the fact, just kind of get the swelling down in your eyes. And specifically in skincare, the training aspect of educating your customers and how to do that in a way to where they don't feel like they're being hard sell to, but driving the sale forward and not letting abandoned shopping carts happen as many anyways. If you're driving a thousand people to your website a day, making sure you're engaging at least, you know, 20 to 25% of those people a day, if you're a smaller business and you can drive all the traffic you want. You can select the best technology ever. But if you're not actually maximizing it with the proper training, sometimes those investments go in vain and we don't want that to happen. So I love that you said that. I don't even know that was so beautiful because it, that is exactly where the market is moving. And it's exactly what is so necessary for brands to understand. And that's why I can't wait. I I just, I'm going to help you manifest this. I just know that I'm going to walk into Sephora one day and go, Oh my gosh, she did. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Send you a text message and go, I'm so proud of you. This is so exciting. (laughs) But Lindsay, thank you so incredibly much for, for coming on the podcast today. It's always such a pleasure to chat with you. Where can people find you? Yes. So you can find Kira Moon social media. We're most active on Instagram and TikTok. And the handle is Kira Moon Beauty. If you have business questions or want to chat with me, you can find my Instagram at Lindsay underscore Martin. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for anyone listening, if you want to try her Silky Moon facial wash, it is incredible (laughs) and I highly recommend it. So I'll leave you guys with that. And thank you so much for listening. See you in the next episode.